Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. And I am your co-host, Till. Excuse me. Rolling with Disadvantage is our podcast where we argue, debate, and we no longer scream into the void. Not right now. About, about various aspects of D&D 5th edition. Don't want to disturb whatever else is out here. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast out there in the void. Yes. Are you watching a love, uh, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country? Yes, I am watching Lovecraft Country. And how do you feel about it? Uh, I I enjoy it. It's so I think, uh, and I think my dad's the prime example of people who thought it was going to be one thing, and it is a much different thing. Yeah, I don't know it if is, I like it. It is not. It it's. I, th- I feel like people had expectations going into it, especially anyone that didn't read the book, and it's not those things. I love the story and the and the effects and the monsters. Um, what I don't necessarily care for is the sort of format, the almost serial like format they've got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stories they just haven't read, and some of them feel like, "Wow, you did that for a whole episode." <laughs> So, um, like, I, case in point, the um, uh, uh, the 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 woman from Korea, yeah, she is a succubus, mm-hmm. and Nine um, Tails classic. Kumiho. We, we spent a whole episode with her. I'm having trouble remembering her name. It's like she uh, job. She yeah, I don't I don't uh, remember it either. Um, but we didn't need to spend a whole episode there. I don't think, and. And I had nightmares after watching that episode of the show <laughs> of tentacles <laughs> and things. It's like, no, no. Well, I get it. well, um, the book itself is episodic. Like there's all the stories are very, very, very loosely connected. Like this, this story that they're putting on as the show is actually much tighter, much, much more connected than the book actually is. Um Gianna, Gianna. So so yeah, it's it's interesting. Is the book referenced in the show, the book of the show? I, I enjoyed uh so the show is not referenced in the book, but the book is referenced in the show. They come right <laughs> out and super meta say that the book was written, but the book isn't what actually happened. The show is what actually happened. I, love I appreciated it. that. I did, I did like the most recent episode. It's an interesting joke. Just thought I'd bring it up because you're in the void after all. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think my dad's. I don't think my dad likes it. it again, I, like you said, it's not. It's not like a continual story, like you know, Game of Thrones. It, is. it has Westworld. an overarching story, but but it's not. But at the same time, it doesn't though. No, and I feel like there's gaps that we miss out on, and uh, they don't do necessarily a great job carrying the thread throughout the whole thing. But this, the, the, that overarching story of like race relations in in uh, you know america civil rights fucking magic and bloodlines and, and family and history and the whole thing could it can be so great uh, mm-hmm. especially like the last episode dealt with the murder of you know a young black man in civil pre-civil rights yes america and it's like boy boy oh boy especially when uh i'm not gonna spoil it for anybody especially when yeah. some stuff happens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. love the ending it took me by surprise Dude, loved it. So loved it. All right, anybody, we'll go watch Lovecraft Country. Yeah. It's fine. It's whatever. We won't spoil it. I'd, I'd say it's. I'd give it a 
seven. Yeah, it's very. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's definitely not for everyone. Um, but yes, I, I would recommend it over and over. So, were you giving me a timeout symbol just now? I, I was. What are we timing out about? Your your the audio is very grainy on your side. I don't know if you're hearing the same thing from me. I am not. You sound fine. Okay, just wanted to make sure. I didn't know if it was like our connection or something. So as long as. As long as you think it sounds good, I'm sure it sounds good because you're the one recording. Anyway, we'll just finish. We'll do this segment and we'll stop the segment. Okay. And we'll, I'll listen yep. back to it and then we'll do yep. Then we'll after, after the break, we'll do back. We'll come back. Okay, good. <clears throat> okay, so we have a very specific mission today. First, first segment, anyways. Indeed, indeed. What are we What are we talking about? I believe our first segment is on the sage advice. There's new sage advice as of uh, the beginning of October. Yeah, like. Like five days ago. Yes. I will uh, uh, I will put a link to the stage device on our Twitter in case you can't find it via Google people. Um, but there are things tagged new on it. Yes, there are. And I, I enjoy that they do that so you actually know what they just changed. Because it's a big just slipping it in there. Yeah, 20, right, 21 pages on a PDF. So. And if you took all the new content, the new content might make up two of those pages, maybe. Yeah, maybe not, or maybe even just one. There, there wasn't a lot, but the stuff on there actually, I enjoyed a great deal. Yeah, so we're not going to go through all the stuff that already existed. We're just going to touch on the new stuff because some of it's pretty important, but not all of it. I took notes. Did I keep my highlights on my notes here? Let's see. Yeah, let's have you. Uh, I did keep my highlights. Ha ha. I have seven things that I marked down that I enjoyed or oh, wanted I to talk I had more about. than seven. Oh well. Well, for example, just a couple of things. Uh, a couple of things that aren't worth talking about. Um, like new. How long do a shifter's temporary hit points last? It's the same as every other temporary hit point in the history of Fifth Edition. They last which, until they're gone or you rest. Exactly. Which at this point is years. So if you don't know how temporary hit points work, fucking look in the book. It's there. So some of those things we're not we're not going to bother with. Um, or some of the questions, you know, uh, Crawford answered with yes. <laughs> See, actually, a couple of those are my favorites. I like the does using College of Valor's combat inspiration add to the damage of an attack count as damage die for purposes of critical hits? Yes. If two creatures are under the effect of Tether Essence and they are both damaged by an area of effect spell, such as Dragon's Breath, do they take the damage twice? Yes. Yes. That one actually it was interesting because I never really thought about that. Neither did really I. It blew my you fucking mind. really screw yourself by yeah. doing that. Yeah, you're sitting there like, oh, I'm helping out a friend by taking damage for him. But we both now have taken damage, so we've taken quadruple damage? Oh, fuck. Yeah, it's, it's that could be really, really bad. Um, and then some of the things are very class-specific. So I'm just let's. I'm going to go to my first highlight here. I'm okay. scrolling we'll, down to we'll page. We'll see. You, you, you do one, I'll do one, and we'll figure out what happens in the middle. Page four. Can the disarming maneuver? This one relates to another one later in the in the stage device. Can the disarming attack maneuver disarm mm -hmm. a creature of a shield it has donned? No. Period. Disarming attack forces a creature to drop an object it is holding. Donned shields are not merely held. I think that makes all sense. Word you can't take it somebody's makes... armor off. Well, this is the thing, right? You think about it practically. How a shield is held in your arm? There's a strap that your hand goes through, and then you're holding on to something in addition to that. Typically, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a leather strap over your forearm, then you're gripped, then you're gripping a handle. That's how you'd hold a heater shield. That's why to don or doff a shield takes an actual action. But this distinction makes it makes it very clear the difference between a donned shield 
and a held item, right? Yep. It's, it's actually, it, it might as well be a rules distinction, not just a linguistic one. 100%. And this is going to come important again later on another one. But should I just bring that I one up? Because I think I know exactly what you're talking about. The plus two shields? Because it, yeah, it is on my list. Yes, Can so you let's, gain, let's just jump right to it. And you gain the magical bonus of a plus two shield if you are holding the shield without taking an action to don it. Yes, but only the magical plus two, which says you can gain it while holding the shield. You gain the shield's base AC bonus only if you use your action to don the shield as normal. Isn't that insane? I, I love it. I just I, have to be holding the shield. Yeah, and it get, it's that that's the magic protection of the shield, not necessarily you using it effectively as a shield. It just is protection in and of itself. So, okay. I'm just going to go look at a plus one shield on D&D Beyond. Okay. While holding this shield, you have a plus one bonus to AC. This bonus is in addition to the shield's normal bonus to AC. Uh, wielding a shield increases your armor class by two. You can only benefit from one shield at a time. So I could be, does not require attunement. Yep. I mean, dangling the shield by my fucking two fingers, pinching it, plus plus one bonus. So yeah. Class. Yeah. Plus one it's bonus. magic. Just by holding it. Magic. I would. I would. It had never ever in my life occurred to me as an option. Mm. Nor I, sir. Nor I. Of oh well, I don't have to be proficient with this plus three shield. No one in my party is going to use it. I just have to hold it. Yep. And I gain three to my armor. Mm-hmm. Now. Not. Now, there are obviously some shields that require attunement to get that bonus, but yeah, just a normal good old plus two, plus three shield, you can get that plus three anytime just by holding it. If, I, if I'm a non-melee spellcaster, I got a free hand. Hold a shield. Right? Hold a magic shield. I'll just shield. hold it. Yeah. It protects me against range attacks. 100%. It protects you from all like, attacks. Well, you know, if I'm not melee, the point I'm, like, yeah. I'm far off. Isn't, and like a lot of us had always been thinking, like, well, if, how can I, as a spellcaster... My bonus to take shield proficiency, blah blah. blah. Oh, you don't have to if you have a magic shield. You just you you fucking hold it. The tough part is then obviously finding the magic shield and fighting your you know frontline fighters for it. Right, I know you're gonna. What eventually, level 14, 15. 14, 15? He has a plus two shield, and he has a plus one shield, and then we find another plus one shield. Guess what? Yeah, I can just hold the plus one shield. Yep, just hold it. You're good to go. I, so I was kind of, I was kind of blown away by the 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 don, the distinction between donning and holding an item. I think it makes All sense. Right, do you want me to go now? Or do you want to go? Yeah, good. You're up. <clears throat> Can a school of divination wizard on the ethereal plane mm -hmm. use portent on a creature that the wizard can see on the material plane? Yes, portent requires you to be able to see the creature. Has no range restrictions. He's saying range restrictions. As cross planar, first of all, and if you're on the ethereal plane, you're you're overlapping the material plane. So I'm not really seeing you. I'm seeing like another version of you that that bridges both of those planes. But that counts. I think it counts. I think it makes sense. So that would you're apply still seeing in the creature. theory. That would apply to a lot of spells and actions where I just see them. Yeah, yeah, and I think it gives right. uh, things like the uh, oil of etherealness um, and other such items a lot more power. Correct. Anybody that can ethereal jaunt, for example. Yeah. Like those. Is that still a spell? I uh, I think I think there's blink nowadays. Blink just go into the ethereal plane because yeah. they used to be they used to be ethereal plane. 
Uh, it's a blink dog, blink spell. I think you can yeah, become I think, ethereal. I think there's a spell for that. I don't know what it is. Maybe I just think the ethereal blinks, mist or yeah, something. Anything that makes you ethereal has has opened up new possibilities with spells that, again, you don't have to you don't have, to have a line of effect or anything. You just have to see your target. Yeah, good old... You can be ethereal and counterspell. Just imagine having to deal with that shit. Yeah, if, if there's a ghost in the room counterspelling you... Yeah. I would be really annoyed. <laughs> Like, you're trying to get 60 feet away, but you don't know if you're 60 feet away from it because you don't know where it is. We're looking at ghost really quick. Ghost. Etherealness. The ghost enters the ethereal plane from the material plane or vice versa. It is visible on the material plane while it's in the border ethereal and vice versa, yet it can't be affected by any can't be affected by anything on the other plane. Wait a minute. So if it's sitting in the material plane, it can't be affected by things on the ethereal plane. But if it's in the ethereal plane, it can see you. Yeah. It, can it counterspell you, but you can't touch it? Yes. Fuck that. Well, fuck you. Hold on. I'm looking up counterspell. Counterspell. You're... You attempt to interrupt a creature in the process of casting a spell. Um, it, it, you know, maybe there's a rules distinction for spell casting where you have to have something else beyond for somebody just seeing them but this feels like i could make a ghost spellcaster that just counters you and you can't touch him yeah 100 it's it's the perfect okay. support for like a lich or a vampire or something i yes if a lich could convince ghosts be like hey i'll do something for you all you have to do is learn counterspell and hang out here just just chill by me and and if you see somebody trying to cast spell just counterspell it i you know what we we have come up with the perfect lich before right the, you uh, mean the perfect polymorphed? No, the perfect phylactery where they both hold on to each other's Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, and true polymorphing into a lich. Now we have the perfect defense even for that. Protection, Two protection, ghosts. protection. And the, you know what? And the lich is holding shields. There you go. <laughs> Can't touch this. Genius. All right, you're next. Uh, let's see. Um, I thought this one was obvious, but the addition... The second sentence, I think, is very important. Ready? Can a paladin using Divine Smite... Can a paladin use Divine Smite when they hit using an unarmed strike? No. Divine nope. Smite requires a melee attack using a weapon. The rules don't consider unarmed strikes to be weapons. Yes. That second sentence is the important part. There. That is very important. And I don't think people realize that um, in a lot of ways. But yeah, I mean, unarmed strikes... No matter, I don't. Do they even count as weapons for monks? Yes, I believe they do. Now we've we've made this ruling in our chat before that unarmed strikes do not count as weapons. Yeah, but I believe. Let's see, class features, martial arts. Um, you know, maybe they don't. I don't think it does. So what I'm thinking of is. Monks can still make their monk attacks with weapons, but they yes. with unarmed strikes don't count as weapons. Exactly. So I you I'm, count as unarmed. There yeah, they get extra damage and they become a key empowered to overcome resistance, but at no point are unarmed strikes considered weapons. Which is very it seems I feels obvious, right? It feels like, well, yeah, your hands are not weapons. Yes. But some people Myself included, like to see it written out like this. I'd say. Yeah, so I think that's a. I think it's very important to distinguish that, especially for those people that are trying to be like rogue monks and say, "Well, my hands are are you know finesse weapons. Finesse weapons. Can't they? Can't they? You know, strike them like no. Maybe this is where we need 
brass knuckles. So this is where we need like uh no a a, a katar a punching dagger. That's what we need. You're you yeah I've got it written down. There you go. Mm. Um, good. You're up. Okay, I'm gonna actually skip the other one that I was looking at because it's boring. Good. Um, but I'm gonna go down to my next one here. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where's my highlights? I don't know. Should I go again while you look? No, I got it. Can I cast Animate Dead on the yes! humanoid-shaped yes! corpse of an undead creature such as a zombie or a ghast? No. 100% had this one as well. Love Animate it. Dead targets only the corpses of creatures that have the humanoid creature type. I think this is interesting. And why is that? Right? Is it for the same reason that I'm about to say? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, because I didn't realize once you die that you still have a creature type. Exactly. I didn't right? realize that either. I, I hold on. I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at the spell Anime Dead because I think there's an important line in Anime Dead, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <clears throat> uh, choose a pile of bones or corpse of a medium or small humanoid within range. Check. Uh, and I was pretty sure there was a way in here where you can't animate something like that has already recently been animated. Isn't that right? I feel like that might just be a rule for raising dead in general. Because, you know, the target becomes a skeleton or mm -hmm. a zombie. Yeah. Which means it now becomes an undead. Exactly. So, so when my... it dies again, mm -hmm. I can't animate it again. Yes. Although I think you should be able to turn a zombie into a skeleton if it loses its flesh. But that's neither here nor there. Well, just I think mechanically it's very strange, right? I, I'm, a human, I'm a humanoid right here. I'm alive, mm -hmm. right? I die. I'm still a humanoid, but dead. So I'm going to cast Animate Dead on me. My body doesn't change, but now I become a undead. Undead. Yep. If, if you if you defeat me, I am dead again, but no longer humanoid. <laughs> exactly. And so spells I mean, like I mean, spells what? like revivify, raise dead, um, resurrection, they won't work on an undead corpse. True resurrection will, but all the other so, ones won't. So it's actually interesting. So what I have to way. do as the big bad is cast animate dead on my fallen foes. Yeah, pretty much. And then they're they're dead forever. Because they can't, they, there's no will save involved there because you're, you're, no, you're, you're enema, dead. your spirit's not there. Yeah. The thing that I found interesting is that there are plenty of non humanoid creatures that look humanoid or have humanoid bones. Like if I came across the bones of a satyr, it's a fake creature, but I, if I just looked at it, I'd be like, oh, it's probably humanoid. And I would try to use my spell on it and it wouldn't work. Or like a, an azer, right? The fire yeah. elemental dwarves. Yeah. Oh, that's they, a dwarf. It, it, I'll raise the shit out of Physiologically, the, the skeleton is the same. Yeah. Or like um, even a mind flayer. If you took the skull off, it's like the body's the same. Yeah. But I can't yeah. animate dead it. Yeah, there's plenty of situations where I've never really thought about the fact that just because it's bones, I can't do anything about it. And it, what this implies, right? that humanoid bones have a different kind of magical flow in them than non-humanoid bones. Yeah. Either that or the writers just don't want to deal with the other shit. This is, this is the real racism, speciesism in D&D right here. Undead. I can't animate dead. I can't animate dead my, uh, my half dragon, you know, human. Or any I, kind of fae. Or any kind of fae or even a giant. Right. Like, a, makes, like a hill giant, it's still, that's normal looking bones. They're just big. It always makes me wonder how like zombie giants and beholders and such things come to pass because you can't animate them. So something has got to be animate giant dead. 
Yeah, it's a special spell that we're going to make. Special spell. All right, do your next one. Yeah, so uh, for a wizard to cast a ritual spell contained That's in their spell book, <laughs> do they need to read from the book or use this part of the ritual? And this answer blew my mind. No. Yep. As written, you don't need your book. Fuck your book. You just need to have it in your book. And that's it. Now, they obviously intend for you to have the book and read from it and do the ritual, but you don't need that shit at all. It's a, that, that, I, I was flabbergasted when I, I read that. I skipped that one because I figured you'd get to it because it's, it's wild. The, I, I think the implication is that you've, you really have memorized this spell, right? Mm-hmm. It's written in your book. You fucking know it. But it still was like, okay, you don't have to carry on your person the thing that defines you as a spellcaster so in order to cast spells. as a wizard why don't i just hide my spell book in a like pocket plane or something all the time well to cast it's only for rituals that's fine so like during a long rest or something hide my book i don't have to have my book on me yeah like anytime that i'm not fighting i shouldn't have my book on me on my person at all yeah, i would agree basically yes should just store it in a bag of holding or whatever. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no reason to carry it on your person. Exactly. Keep it safe. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. I know. I was a little blown away by that. It's not game breaking because it's just your ritual spells. I think but that still. The, 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 the reason it's game breaking, though, is because, say, at the start of Out of the Abyss, uh-huh. if you had any ritual spells as a wizard, I don't have to have my book to cast them. Yeah. So you, you 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 start with nothing in that campaign, but the wizard has access to rituals. I you know, again, I think you at level one you don't have anything helpful. But but even still. If I know. capture you and take your stuff, the wizard gets to still cast ritual spells. Yeah, just sits there as long as he's got his hands free and his mouth free. Oh, I cast Lehman's tiny hunt. Go fuck yourself. Which like you think to yourself, well, sorcerers can cast without a book or whatever. Yes, that's true, but wizards can cast these without expending spell slots. They're rituals yes. that are free. I love it. Love it. Which is insane. Okay. I, I have this got? next one. Um, I only highlighted it because the answer amused me. Okay. I bet it's the same one I'm about to say. Go ahead. Is it Misty Step? Uh, so, no. That's the one. That's my full one before. Go ahead. Yes. Go get him. Misty Step doesn't say the caster can bring worn or carried equipment with them. Are they intended to leave everything, including their clothes, behind? Time I have out. to only imagine that Jeremy Crawford was laughing when he wrote this answer. Exactly. So, before you answer this, you can, you can kind of tell that as these guys are writing these answers every once in a while they get a little sassy yes. and I marked this one, not because it has a great answer, but because it has the sassiest answer I've ever read. Go ahead. No, the casters worn and carried equipment are intended to go with them. Period. That is the answer to the question, right? Next paragraph. Some <laughs> teleportation effects do specify that you teleport with your gear. Such specification is an example of a rule being needlessly fastidious since no teleportation effect in the game assumes that you teleport without your clothes, comma, just as the general movement rules don't assume that you drop everything when you walk. Love it. Fucking like, love it. He called that person an idiot in that answer. 100%. Like, I didn't tell you that you dropped your clothes when you fucking walk. Of course, when you teleport, you take your stuff with you. Yes, you don't. You don't it's not Terminator rules. You don't have to get naked to teleport. It should be. Well, that's a different story. It'd be sexier teleportation everywhere. I'll tell. I will make a deal with anyone in any of my games to use teleportation circle or teleportation. If you get buck naked and leave everything behind, you can cast it at one lower level. Oh yeah, I like that. That's fair. There you go. Maybe maybe not teleportation circle because someone else could just carry your stuff. Unless everybody else has to be naked too. Anyone going through it has to be naked. 
Ah, okay. Okay. Terminator rules. So I just I just love that last line. Just as the general movement rules, don't assume <laughs> that you drop everything when you walk. Which, you know, is a very funny answer, but also implies that teleportation is a form of movement and should be treated as such, right? You know, I think they do a great job of trying to answer these questions to the best of their ability, but sometimes they just get annoyed with the fucking questions. Yes, they do. All right, we have a couple more, and we're, we're going to, I think we'll just go a little long in segment one here. Um, cause I, I, got, I got one more that I want to hit. I got one more oh, that I, like I want to hit. Four more. Okay. Okay. This, this one, this one blew my mind. It answers a lot of questions and it solves a lot of problems that I've had. Just with my own. It is. What happens if I'm polymorphed yes. or wild-shaped into <laughs> a creature with fewer than 100 hit points, and then I'm targeted by power word kill? You die. I highlighted that one, too. You die. You die. And, I, you know, you and I have talked about how a druid is invincible at level 20 because they can just keep switching into wild shapes. I never thought to just hurt the wild shape a little bit and then kill they them kill with it. power word kill. Never in my life would I have thought of that. You you skip the whole end the wild shape thing. You kill them. Yes. Which suddenly makes wild shape terrible because you're a challenge rating like three at the most. And you have maybe a hundred and like ten hit points. It's it is bad against anything that has access to that kind of spell. Yeah, suddenly your 17th level casters with ninth level spells are fucking up druids all over the place. You utter a word of power that can compel one creature you see within range to die instantly. If the creature you chose has 100 or fewer hit points, it dies. No save. Nothing. Yep. 100 or fewer hit points, it is dead. Yep. No death saves, dead. So, yeah. Druid Our, our liches must know power word kill. All, all I'm doing is fucking having my minions attack it like three times, and then I'm power word killing it. Exactly. And, you know, maybe the ghosts have power word kill, too. That way they can test it. Just see if you <laughs> wait, have 100 hit wait, points. Wait, wait, wait. So, so ghosts are... You have ninth level casting ghosts. Don't question it. Just let it... Just go with it. Why aren't they killing the liches? <laughs> the liches have way more than 100 health. Yeah, they figured you, it out, though. So that's yeah. the thing. The ghost betrays the lich by just waiting. Just waiting for that lich so to be 100 hit points And kills him. Yeah, and then becomes the new king of the castle. All right, uh, that was your last one. You said, yeah, that's the, that was my last was, one. Go ahead. Um, uh, I wanted to just note a very technical one here. If a spellcaster is affected by slow and it takes two turns to finish casting a spell, what happens if their target has moved out of range or out of sight? The answer was very important. You choose the targets of a spell when you complete casting a spell, not when you start. Yes, yes, I saw so, that one, but I thought that was a pretty clear answer. It just is so niche. It doesn't come up that often. Normally, I cast a spell, and I finish casting a spell in one turn. Uh, I just like the distinction. You know, I I choose the targets at the end of it, mm-hmm. right? So I can... I can that, that's how kind of how readying an action works. I'm casting the spell. I'm casting the spell target. I didn't, I didn't start casting it before someone came through the doorway, right? I think that the reason that that wording is so important because it reinforces the idea of how to avoid counterspells. And that is to hide, ready the action to cast the spell, pop out of hiding, and just activate the spell. Correct. You have to move out of line of sight for casting yeah, spell. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're on the ethereal plane and they can see you anyways. Well. All right. I wanted to touch on one more. And this is just because the, the answer amused me. Mm-hmm. If a character hits a monk with a dwarven thrower, <laughs> which is Mjolnir, right? Yep. And the monk uses deflect missiles, does the hammer return to the attacker first, or can the monk catch it? The monk can catch it. 
Of course the monk can catch it. The monk can catch Mjolnir, and you can't get it back. Yeah, because he That's is it. worthy. He is worthy. Hold on. I'm gonna, can I pull up the Dwarven Thrower really fast? Hmm. Uh, now, in all fairness, while you're looking that up, a monk's deflect missiles ability, if I'm not mistaken, I'll get there in a second, uh, they get uh, 1d10 plus dex mod plus monk level. So yeah. if you're avoiding all of the damage you know, from an equal leveled person throwing a Dwarven Thrower, you got to... You gotta have a pretty high dex mod and roll pretty well to catch well, that a thing outright. So it's two d eight plus three plus strength. Yeah, versus one d ten plus dex plus level. Yeah. Okay. So it's you know the odds are not that you can catch it, but you can catch it. And do you can says, if you have the chance? Yes. Immediately after the attack, the weapon flies back to your hand. Not if my monk is holding it. Yep. Right. I, yep. This is my hammer now. <laughs> and then the monkey's the key point, and that's how you get it back because the monk throws, throws it, it at you. you. Cap, cap, oh, spoiler. Captain America picks up the fucking hammer and throws it at you. Yep. All right. I loved, I think this was one of the best sage advices because it had a lot of great answers in it. And, and I, think I learned. Be, go ahead. I was going to say it's because um, we're getting down to kind of like the nitty-gritty on rules. Like, people have played the game long enough that it's no longer yes. what is a reaction. It is, can I do this crazy-ass thing that came up one time in a game with my reaction? But I also learned something about basic-ass shields today, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of, when we come back, we're going to listen to the audio really quick. and we come back, we are just going to pontificate about some weapons that should exist, in our opinions, right? Yes, yes, 100%. Ready to go. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Okay, hi, we're back. Hello. We didn't actually test the audio because it never came through. So I'm hoping it works, question mark. What if it didn't? Like, what if it just didn't record any of it? Life sucks, and then you die. We just don't have an episode this week, because fuck it. Fuck it. It's our uh, podcast. We can do what we want. Exactly. Do you want to talk about that article you sent, or do you want to save that for later? So, uh, save that for later. The one thing I did want to say, just real fast, uh, two things. One, early access, BG3. It's out there. It huh. is hit. On Steam? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So uh, I just uh, I bought my dad, uh, one brother and I bought my dad, a uh, brand new laptop because he is the reason that my brother and I even played Baldur's Gate back in the day. Uh, So we bought him a brand new laptop that can handle it. And so he'll be playing as of Saturday when I go over there and load it for him. Fortunately, that means it's only like six months until it goes on sale. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Not only that, but this is early access. Um, It takes up a fuck ton of space already. And it's only going to take up more when the actual game and all the DLCs and shit drop. So have lots of space or an external hard drive. I have a one terabyte solid state hard drive. That may be enough, but it's it's iffy. It's iffy. And I have two, three, I have three. Nope. I have two one terabyte external hard drives and one three terabyte external hard drive. Okay. That might just be enough. Yeah. Uh, Granted, I don't use a fraction of any of that space, but I have it. No, I actually have lots of like, you know, digital images and art and stuff take up a lot of space. Um, You know, second one, you know, second announcement I'll save for the next time. Okay. Let's move on. That's fine. We can talk about your article too. Uh, okay, so we're just gonna we're just gonna have fun, I think, in the second half here, and talk about weapons that should exist. 
So yeah, these are weapons that either existed in previous editions of D&D that no longer exist, or just historical items of weird significance. Uh, so we went long in the first segment, so we'll just we'll keep this short. Yeah, so uh, the original idea was I wanted to like design them to make maybe use them in a game, but let's just fucking talk about some weird shit. So uh, the very first thing on my list mm-hmm. is a scythe. Oh, okay, classic. Yep, yep. Because this version of the game has a sickle, mm-hmm. which is, for we, we all know, a handheld curved blade for, for cutting wheat. It does 1d4. Yep. Uh, I don't remember if it has any other qualities. Well, I thought it was a d6. <clears throat> 1d4 slashing is oh. light. Oh, God. The 3.5 one did 1d6. This is, me. So a sickle is a dagger. Yeah. Without finesse property. So it's just worse in every way. Okay. It's worse in every way. So I thought, well, sick, sickles exist. First of all, question mark. Why isn't a sickle a simple weapon? That is a very good question. It's literally uh, a farming most tool. Farmers, yeah, would you have one and use it? So, so I figure. Well, I want a scythe. Okay. Back in the day, a scythe did two d four, and had a wider threat range for criticals. Yeah. What was it like? Eighteen to twenty. It was not. It was nineteen or eighteen to twenty. It was huge. Um. So I thought. Well, a scythe in fifth edition should still be two d fours. It should be two-handed, right? Yep. I don't necessarily think we should do the expanded threat range. Give it reach. But we could make it a simple weapon. Oh, I was going to say give it reach. Yeah, but two-hit, it's kind of hard to argue a scythe has a reach because you have to hold it funny. Yeah. Like, it's, got, it's a wide hold. It's a wide grip. Um, but it, it should be either be a finesse weapon or a simple weapon because it's a farming tool. It's a fucking farming tool, right? Why is so... this a weapon I can use? Okay, see, I actually agree with this. So I agree with the idea of making it simple so it's more accessible, making it two-handed, and making it do 2d4. So it's not as good as a martial two-handed weapon, it's but I, pretty much anyone can use it. So you agree with my assessment, yeah, 2d4, yeah, two-handed yeah, simple. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. It's not a martial weapon. It's literally a farmer's tool. But if I if I, arm, with if I armed a bunch of farmers with it, they're going to do a bunch of damage with it. Pain is coming. Right, it's just a little bit better than 1d8. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I don't see why that's not a weapon. I make it. Fucking it's you know, not the, hard. The list of weapons is actually impressively long when you go on D&D Beyond. Yes, yes. But I mean, you know, there's like antimatter rifles on there. So I don't really count those. All right. Give me one. Okay. So the one that I would love to find a way to make, and I, I don't really have a way. I've thought about it. So I was hoping you could help is the Urumi. Uh, you, you'll know it when you, when you look it up, but the Arumi is essentially a, like a (laughs) nine tails whip, (laughs) but it's made of thin steel blades. So essentially it's a bunch of flexible swords. So Uh, picture this people, bandsaw blades on the end of a handle. Yes. Yes. Um, it's an Indian weapon, uh, as in from India, not native American. Um, it's an Indian weapon. Uh, very rarely ever used. Um, it's you. The reason that I thought of it, it actually came up last time we were talking, was because it's used by a planeswalker, Gideon, in Magic Gathering. He has one that attaches to his hands, and he has oh, shields on the end of it. I didn't realize that was this kind of whip. I thought that just was a cat of nine tails. No, no. Oh. It is a. It's a steel. They are steel blades that are attached to the end of his lines. So this seems pretty straightforward in terms of statting it 
It's just a whip and then some. <laughs> yeah. So is it just a whip that does more damage? Is it a whip that has multiple attacks? It doesn't strike me as a weapon that really has... It, it's got to be, you know, martial, right? Oh, 100%. It requires very specific training. Very specific. Like, like, I feel like it needs a feat of its own, but that's a different story. But it's definitely got to have, like, a... It's got to have reach, like a whip. Mm-hmm. But it strikes me as something that could very easily have, like, a sweeping attack. Like something that hits multiple people? Yes, because just look at... The, everybody Google it. You... You are you am I. Yes. If that doesn't strike you as a weapon that I could sweep with, then I don't know what to tell you. And what's interesting, they actually have some great instructional videos on YouTube about it. But the length of the actual weapon is 48 to 66 inches. It's it's a five-foot fucking weapon, and then some. So like, some of these only have one blade. Intense. Some of the ones uh, that only have one blade. So Maybe, but they should have more, essentially. I, th- I think it was like five to seven or something is a typical one. Well, it could be that there's, you know, ones without multiple blades and ones with multiple blades. So um, uh, the use, uh, this is probably my favorite thing. The Yurumi is handled like a flail arm, but requires less strength since the blade combined with the centrifugal force is sufficient to inflict injury. <laughs> that's just <laughs> it's literally so, a whip made out of metal yes yes but you have to be very careful because you know if that whip comes back at you you're fucked so again i could make this just with bandsaw blades like small bandsaw blades that would be a that would be horrible yeah be horrible. pain fucking pain is coming i'm a, I'm a get it so, so yeah that was that was the top of my my uh one uh i think a related one not really related but it's it is a sort of southeast east asian item that everybody knows it exists we just don't have specific stats for it are shurikens Mm -hmm. yep there are darts and there's a boomerang but there's no shurikens yeah i mean shurikens darts um daggers even i think it's all just good old d4 plus decks well shuriken is slashed i'm sorry a dart is piercing and a boomerang does bludgeoning but it can return to you if it misses uh, I feel like a shuriken should just be a slashing version of a dart, right? Pier- I mean, shurikens do piercing damage. They go into you. But they're not not—they're not like a needle point thing. But I think this is the reason that they don't have shurikens and they have darts is because shurikens and darts are pretty much interchangeable. I should just be able to interchange them? Yeah. So like, should a shuriken I, do something different? I, I mean, I did. Th- we did that with Firecrotch. He, he used shurikens, but yeah, they were just, just darts. Dark. Yeah. yeah. Well, there just used to be distinctions in these. And I feel like... They could be. I don't know what they could. I don't know what the distinction could be, though. But I do love me a boomerang. Like, I'd never used a regular boomerang before. 1d4 bludgeoning and it returns to you if you miss with it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. I think it's good. It's, it's a naturally returning. Especially throwing it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Just instead of having, like, a backup dagger, why don't I have a backup boomerang? Can you use it as a melee weapon if need I be? was just, just thinking that exact same thing. Can I just uh, and club I somebody forgot to it? note if I could use a regular boomerang boomerang it's a, it's, a, it's a ranged weapon okay how about this how about this you can use this melee but it only does one damage plus your strength i would say it, it's probably intended to be a disadvantage wait the boomerang is a ranged weapon and any creature proficient with the javelin is also proficient with this weapon well that's interesting javelin 
javelin's a melee weapon that can be thrown though yeah i would say the boomerang it, it would be a disadvantage if you attack melee with it because it's not intended for that function okay anyways i love me a boomerang when i was going on my shuriken and dart research i, I thought i've never used a fucking boomerang before i'm with you there i'm with you there all right what we only have a couple more minutes what do you got that's fine um so uh the the one that I was going to ask. So, I mean, now that Eberron's a thing and the world is what it is, black powder's a thing, right? Are you going to talk about that blunderbuss? No, no, much better. An ancient Chinese weapon known as the nest of bees. Go on. So essentially, what they did is they would just pack like thirty-two fucking arrows with little bags of black powder on the end of them into essentially like a handheld fucking cannon and you'd light the fucking you'd light the little uh wick at the end and the it would burn down and it would just light all of them and you would just fire rapidly 32 fucking arrows that would go whizzing all over the fucking place of your enemies well if i'm not mistaken the chinese invented fireworks a really long time ago yeah right like thousands of years ago. 100%. Yeah. So it could be very easily argued that simple combustible black powder explosives, maybe not like that, could exist. Mm-hmm. But what you essentially describe is a shrapnel grenade. Yeah. I just take it was like a ceramic vessel full of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I just take a thin ceramic pot, fill yeah. it with black powder, and then sharp things. It, it was wooden. Tap it. A oh. wooden container filled with uh, tubes in the shape of a hexagon, which, uh, when viewed from the front, gave the weapon the appearance of a large honeycomb. Yeah, Inside each sense. of the tubes was a rocket-propelled arrow. <laughs> oh, so they do had directionality to them. A little bit, oh, yeah. They still, that's... obviously, they're still not going to fire that well because, you know, it's, called it's a fucking bees? wood arrow. Yes, a nest of bees. Right, but they have, they would have a, a, a velocity direction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As opposed to a shrapnel grenade, just goes Which, out. But still, I mean, just imagine like, uh, I don't know if you ever used to play with fucking, you know, as a dumbass kid, roaming candles and shoot them at each other. But every once in a while, one would go really fucking off the straight and narrow. Yes. Uh, that's what I imagine with this kind of design. No, were you never around when my brother would just throw bottle rockets into the bonfires we were sitting around? Uh, I was. I remember when yeah. you threw an empty bottle of vodka into the fire and it I fucking throw blew it. up in I Jake's held face. it there. And it exploded, okay? <laughs> um, I like that one. I've never heard of that before. But I, that does lead me to, I think my last one for me is just to talk really quickly about a weapon that does exist. Go. And that is the blunderbuss. Oh, okay. Yeah. Classic. A gun. Yep. I don't have guns in my world. You don't? Do you? Uh, uh... In the world that I am making, there absolutely are basic uh, guns, rifle, black powder rifles, uh, flintlock pistols, things like that. With the misfire quality? Um, yes. I mean, absolutely. They can blow up in your face if you misload them. There's a whole bunch of rules that I'm working on in addition to the basic rules that are already in the game. Because for those of you who don't play with guns, it's a ranged gun, obviously, with the reload feature. Um, but you have to spend an attack or an action to reload. 2d8 piercing, and they, when you hit, it's explosives. Everything within five feet must make a deck save or take fire damage. But if you roll really low, you have a misfire, which makes you have to waste an action tinkering to fix the gun. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and this is most 
this is most recently shown in Critical Role Campaign One with um, Percival. Percival, name, 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 name. Von Musso Kowalski Dorello the Third. Correct, Esquire. Uh, and he misfired all the time, except for the fact that he rolled twenties all the time too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the golden so stitch. I think with with um, the rules as they are, it's actually a pretty item. Mm-hmm. And I think there's it's arguable that it exists in some campaigns, but not a strictly medieval one, right? I think that's fair. Uh, the inception of the gun leads to the inception of a lot of other explosives. Like a cannon? Well, I don't actually know which one of those came first. <laughs> a cannon or a gun. I um, would assume that it was the cannon, and then the cannon got... Because I, said, I think you have to start smaller. big, and yeah. you get my Exactly. Right, you start with a cannon, you end up with a gun, you end up with a rifle, you end up with a missile... You, to manufacture cartridges, you need some form of machinery. Um, well, there wasn't cartridges. It was no, but that's not, but that's what I'm saying. When you get to guns at the point they are today, you need some sort of machinery. Yes. Um, but you also end up with mortars and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And a, so a mortar is just a gun out of the ground, aiming up. Yep. So I, I I'm always hesitant to include guns because it it is a leap forward in technology that creates a lot of other stuff. It's not the fucking internet, man. Get over it. Well, you can have magical guns. Yes, you can. I would love a magical gun. So, Especially in real life. If you told me right now the NRA had invented magical guns, I'd be like, shit, they win. Just like a fucking wand of magic yeah. missile. <laughs> have you seen that, that stupid video of Harry Potter, but it's guns instead of wands? No, I've not. <laughs> Just Google it later. It's so stupid. Mm. So I, I, I had two, but I'm only gonna pick one last one. Yeah, hit me with was, one more. It was a, a a tried and true favorite back in the day that isn't there anymore, and I want to bring it back. Sword. What? Bastard sword? No, that we already talked about that. The kukri. Yeah, I didn't put that on there. Kukris were a good one. Fucking bring the kukri back. I used to, eighteen to twenty high crit range. Eighteen to twenty make a make a fighter get improved crit and drop that down to fifteen to twenty. Woo. Ooh. Yeah, that was a high crit, high crit dagger, basically. Yeah, it was yeah, it was only doing a D4, but you were critting what uh six times five, 30% of the time? Jesus. I mean that's holy shit. Yeah, especially if you you know you it was keen or you had improved critical, and then you um what was the thing to make your crits do more damage? There was a thing to make your crits do more damage. Yeah, improved critical, I think, was a feat. No, improved critical increased the range. Oh. Power critical, power critical. Power critical. I'm like, yeah, there's there's in 3.5, there are feats to do everything you can Everything ever want. in the world. So I would love to see those. Essentially, what we're arguing for is just like weapons that have improved criticals. <laughs> that and just some fun shit. I want some just fucking weird, fun weapons. Yeah, Bring me I my know. Arumi. Where's your Arumi? I like special arrows, like alchemy arrows and all that stuff, right? Yes. Yes, um, I love the idea. Just put a little black powder on the end of the arrow and hope it works. Double-bladed swords, great bows, oversized weapons. I know. We, we just want fun. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to stop us from having those things in our campaigns. That's the beauty yeah, of it. Yeah, there is. It's you and me and our strict rules. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, strict rules. Okay, well, we're way over on the show today. Uh, make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. Follow us on Twitter, RWD Podcast. I tweet about stuff sometimes. Feel free to send us topics uh, you want to hear about or your D&D rants at rwdpodcast.gmail.com. Um, final thoughts, sir. Fucking just give me my roommate. As always, we will see you next time. Till then. Goodbye.